A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, this is Victoria Meyer. Welcome to the Chemical Show podcast. This week, I am talking to you solo because I really wanted to share with you some of the lessons learned from renewable chemistry innovators that we can apply to other facets of the chemical industry. So this year, I've had the opportunity to interview several CEOs and leaders of green or renewable chemistry companies. These include Tom Van Aken of Advantium, who is on episode 66, Jennifer Holmgren of Lanzatech, who is on episode 60. Episode 51 featured Neil Burns of P2 Science and James Gibson of Void Technologies, along with John Timbers of Epsilite. Episode 40 had Tim Staub of Locus PI, and episode 44 had Michael Suver and Cameron Whaley. Boy, when I started listening to this out, I was like, oh, there have been a lot of green and renewable and sustainable chemistry companies. And I'm like, why? One, I just think it's fascinating, right? So we are in really interesting times right now, right? We are working at the intersection of market growth, innovation, sustainability. I believe we are at the tipping point of commitment and innovation as it relates to green and renewable and sustainable chemistry. Now, we may not actually be at the tipping point of the solutions that we need to meet some of our objectives. But certainly, when you look across chemical companies, consumer products companies, other companies and industries that the chemical industry is serving, sustainability, green, renewable chemistry is all really interesting. And these are new products going into either new or existing markets. So one is just this fascination. And I think the fact that we're at this tipping point. The second thing, number two, is I really love market development and new business development. It is an area I've worked in significantly across my career. It's an area that I work in today as I help clients who are trying to enter new markets with new products or new services or reposition existing products and services to fulfill customer needs. And I think it's just fascinating and I really enjoy it. And frankly, it is not for the faint of heart, right? Introducing a new product into a new market, introducing either a new product or service into an existing market, repositioning existing products and services, it can be risky, right? The outcomes are less certain because the roads have not been walked before, right? It takes a certain amount of finesse. It takes an understanding of markets and customers and a real interest in understanding what those markets and customers find valuable. And frankly, it's a lot of fun. It's really rewarding. And when, if you've listened to these episodes, and I'm sure you've listened to some of them, maybe all of them, one of the things that comes through loud and clear from these innovators and executives is they think this is fun, that they thrive on the success, the challenge, and the opportunity to make a difference. So 
we are not fully going to be talking about these green and renewable space. Cause what I think is interesting is a lot of the path that they are following and the principles and the premises that they're following, we can take and apply into other markets, traditional chemical markets and services, et cetera. So that's what we're going to be talking about. The thing with, when I reflect on these interviews that I've had with some of these leaders, developing new markets for green or renewable chemistries and plastics, it is not for the risk averse or for those who need instant success, right? So both Lanzatech and Avantium have been at this for 20 years, right? So Jennifer Holmgren's been at the helm of Lanzatech since the early 2000s. Tom Van Aken is actually considered one of the longest tenured CEOs in the Netherlands. He has been leading Avantium since early 2000s. So you need perseverance. This is not about instant success. When we talk about P2 Science, uh, Neil Burns and that team, they've been at it for a decade, right? So it takes time to develop new products, new markets. Eh, Hopefully, and I find this to be true when we're talking about existing products and existing markets, while some of the paths are the similar, and we're going to be talking about that it usually does go much faster, although honestly, not necessarily. And I'm sure you guys have some stories to tell. And I have a few stories to tell about that eh, that I may not share online on the podcast, but I'd be happy to share elsewhere. The other thing that's really interesting, I think it's a great parallel when we start talking more broadly, is it really requires partners, collaboration, and openness, right? You don't know what you don't know. When you're developing a new product, you don't know if it's going to be accepted. You don't know how it's going to apply in use. You don't know that the market's going to value it. You don't know what you don't know. It requires your partners and collaboration to help run the processes, test the products, test the markets, figure out who owns and how do you get there? You figure out who owns what component of the value chain, and then you figure out where you maximize your impact. And I think the other thing that it really, when you think about partnership, it's really requires a lot of trust, transparency, and a clear path forward. When both Jennifer Holmgren and Tom Van Van Aken had both said one of the things that made their partnerships and collaborations work was a clear understanding of intellectual property, a clear understanding of the path forward, who does what and who owns what. And I think that's one of those lessons to keep in your hip pocket and pull out when you start going forward and thinking about partnerships. The good news is, of course, it doesn't take 20 years for most businesses, especially if you're an existing business with an existing or a similar product entering a market. But they, and so I think that's good news. When we talk to these leaders, what stood out for me is they seem to share a common story and it goes a little bit like this, right? So someone, a business person, a chemist working the bench, an engineer at the plant has a great idea for a product or an application. And then they develop a technology and then they add a few people and add some money and develop it some more. Then they bring in some partners to adapt and test it out. Then they either sell it off, sell off parts of it, shut down parts of it, pivot it. You know, we've seen this happen. Both Lanzatech and Avantium have exited partnerships, shut down parts of businesses, pivoted over this 20-year gene new business development cycle to get to where they are to be able to create commercial success. So you do that. And then you bring in bigger investors. In the case of Avantium, they're publicly listed. That's the way they brought in some of their investment capital. Lanzatech is part of a SPAC, so a special purpose asset company. Somebody's going to test me on this with hopes to IPO, right? So they find ways to bring in capital, to grow, to commercialize and develop. 
they form partnerships with brands and end users. In the case of Lanza Tech, they've partnered with Zara and Danone and several other end users. In the case of Avantium, they've partnered with Carlsberg, LVMH, Ambev. They're in a lot of beverages, a lot of consumer products, you'll note. And part of that is because their product is a replacement for PET, which is going into beverage containers, et cetera. So that's where some of that fits in. And we certainly see it when I look at, for instance, what P2 Science is doing. They have a number of great partnerships that they've developed to help get their products to market and into the consumer's hands. And then eventually you get the opportunity to build a commercial unit, either through your partners or directly yourself and sell products, commercialize, et cetera. And then what's interesting as well with this and is that both Lots of tech and Avantium. And we've seen this through the years with chemical process innovations is licensing. They go to license the technology, right? And if you think about some of the products that we use today, certainly look across the polyethylene value chain, all those polyethylene technologies have been, there's just a couple, and then they've been licensed and they've been licensed and they've grown and they've monetized for the business in a different way. And that's certainly a direction that I know that Lanza Tech and Avantium are heading And as they do that, they reward their shareholders. They have a significant impact on the industry, et cetera. So what does this mean for the rest of the chemical industry for you who may not be developing an innovative new green technology? Is there a lesson? Yeah, there is. Absolutely. Because the path that they're following is a path that I find to be pretty typical when we think about market development and market development in the sense of entering a new market with a new product or service or a repositioned product or service, right? So you've got kind of a variety of permutations, new product, new market, existing product, new market, or repositioning. And the pieces that I want to talk about today and the lessons that we can talk about and that the parallels are is really in some of the three early phases of market development that I'm going to share with you. And this is a model that I've used with companies I've worked at, Shell and Clarion, that I've worked with client companies, and I think that works well. So, you know, phase one is really about awareness and relationship building. It is critical to, frankly, just start building those relationships and build that awareness in the industry and the market. Now, this is after you've had the, you're past that nugget of an idea and started sensitizing yourself to it, and that you really think this is a path to go forward on. Yes, we can go enter this new market. Yes, this product we think is a winner in our existing markets, right? The awareness and relationship building phase is really critical in terms of just starting to plant the seeds in the market to let them know who you are, especially if you're a new entrant, what you're bringing to the table. Is it a product, a service, a technology? What is it that you're bringing to the table? It's really critical to understand the market and customer needs, both met and unmet, right? What is really important? I personally find, and and I've said this, and, and you maybe have heard me say this before, product is easy to replicate, right? It is easy to get a new widget, but there's some aspects that aren't easy to replicate. What's in it? What's important? What can you create and craft a value proposition with? One of the examples I have here is with Shell Pennsylvania Shell Polymers, when Shell was re-entering the polyethylene market, maybe some people don't know that it was a re-entry because it's been more than a decade plus since they exited polyethylene. But when Shell decided to enter the polyethylene market, I was leading that business and leading that effort. And part of the exercise of the very first 
dates in months of building that was building awareness, building relationships with potentially key customers and business partners to say, hey, we're here. And to ask questions. What's important to you? How does your business run? What's working really well? If we could do something differently, what would it be? And you test your hypotheses, you understand what it is. In this case, what became really clear with Shell Pennsylvania was that there was an opportunity to be a logistics play, right? We recognize that upfront and we really, and Shell is following the course. We're going to see it starting up here shortly in the next few months, shortening the supply chain while still meeting the product requirements, right? So you, you're not going to beat everything. What are you going to meet? What are you going to beat? How do you craft your unique value proposition? And that's really critical in that awareness and relationship building phase, generating your external insights and validation, validating that, hey, this is really a good product to market, or this is a market that we can enter. Get your external insights and validate it, and then adjust your path, whether it's your product or service, whether it's your target market, maybe it's your customer experience. And thinking about what is the type of customer experience you want to bring to the table that will make a difference, that will differentiate you as you go to market, right? So that's phase one. Phase two, I call it categorized as brand and product establishment, right? This is where you really start introducing your brand to the market. In the case of IBC, Integrity Biochem, Michael Siever, when we talked to them, they figured out what they were going to do. And then they started introducing their brand to the market, right? TegraSurf and EdenSurf in conjunction with their business partner, SCT. And so figuring out what your brand is and starting to plant the seeds and bringing your brand to market and establishing your presence becomes critical. It is a critical next phase. With that comes finding the right strategic partners. So this may be a manufacturing partner. It may be a marketing partner. It may be an end user, right? It depends on what's needed to get into that market. Who has the influencers and capabilities that you need, right? So if I take an example, and we've had some different examples here, what Locus PI is doing at Tim Staub, right? So they've formed a partnership with Dow to help bring it to market. They've got the technology, they've got the manufacturing. What they needed help with was bringing the product to market and accessing a broader array. Understanding that is really critical. That's part of this earlier phase, and then you're executing it. In the case of Avantium, they are building manufacturing and they've actually gone all the way to the end user to partner and make sure that their products get into market and have some pull through as they seek to build their plant and ensure that they're going to, you know, if they build it, will they come? Yes. When you sign an agreement to say, yes, we're going to take products. So that's one way to build a partnership. So as you go to market, that phase two of establishing your brand and your product, it's a critical to find the right strategic partners. It's critical to lay the groundwork for future commercialization, right? What is it going to be when it's real? When your product is in the market, when you start seeding with samples, if you have samples, you start testing it with people and making sure that your brand and your value proposition is clear. And then phase three, and phase three really applies again, when you're thinking about especially new products, new services, maybe a new investment that has to come into market and is pre-marketing and sales. And I would say that's where this whole array of customers and businesses that I've talked about is at. Testing the product, figuring out who is going to start buying that product, doing early sales to start drawing and pulling through. And we certainly see that with Avantium. We see that with Lonza Tech. We see that with the whole host of people that I've spoken with here 
over the past year that are in this green and renewable space. And it's true with traditional businesses and products, right? So this is not new and novel to green chemistry. This is a fundamental that you can be applying today as you think about entering new markets, growing in new markets, or bringing a new product to market, right? It's around awareness. Phase one is awareness and relationship building, planting the seeds, getting the platform, testing the market. Phase two is brand and product establishment, securing the partnerships that you want. And phase three is really the early days of commercialization. Right. Getting some early sales, getting some early test products or test services out there and starting to build validation, building a base case, building your base load. And you think about it, if you have to build an asset and going from there. And then after that, we're not going to cover that on this podcast because I'm really kind of stopping where some of the my interviewees have stopped. But after that is really when you start getting ready for marketing commercialization, start expanding your business and start truly commercializing your business. I think commercialization is a place that as business leaders and business people we're more comfortable with, like, hey, I know how to buy and sell and develop and do that. It's that development that gets trickier and it takes time. You have to under the steps and you have to understand how you really want to execute and go to market. And I think you're interested in seeing how companies are doing it and how they've done it well. Go back and listen to some of these earlier episodes with Jennifer Holmgren from Lonza Tech, with Tom Van Aken, with Neil Burns, with Tim Staub, with the other guys who are going to tell me that I didn't list them, but I've listed them earlier. Anyway, go back and listen. There is nuggets in each one of them that tells you how they are really approaching this and that you can approach that as well. And then If you're working on tackling a new business opportunity, trying to figure out how do I enter that new market? How do I reposition to make my product or my business or my service more effective in my existing markets? Give me a call. Shoot me an email. Let's set up some time to talk. And I'd be happy to share with you some of the insights that I've learned through my own career and that I bring to clients today. Anyway, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to The Chemical Show. Maybe you're watching it on YouTube. Keep watching, listening, liking, and sharing it with your friends and your colleagues. It matters. I'm really excited that people continue to listen and that the podcast continues to grow and we will keep moving forward and moving on. Thanks everyone. Have a great day. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.